Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4 tonight. I want to talk about love. and uh, Normally on the uh, Sunday preceding this of Advent, we would be talking about love, but uh, we were pushed out a little bit. And so I want to talk about this tonight. God is, God is love. And I think that if there's a concept in our world that's more misunderstood than love, I don't know what it is. Love is misunderstood to a great degree. And it's here where the celebration of Christmas began. Uh, you know, Christmas is empty otherwise. If we're just going about and trying to create some meaningful holiday for ourselves, uh, pretty soon we come to discover how empty that truly is. But when we know what true love is, we have something to celebrate. And that's what we, we want to talk about tonight. Uh, John sets love in its proper cradle. And uh, some new... Lovers, they think that they've invented love. Have you ever met somebody? They think that they're the first ones to discover what real love really is. Um, Some people think that they love more deeply and they've loved more truly than anyone else who has ever loved before. Uh, But we know that there is a greater love, and God is love is one of the most misunderstood and abused statements about God in the Bible. A lot of people who really don't read the Bible they know this phrase, and they want to use it. And uh, sometimes we hear things like, uh, love is love. And uh, if you know the, the sub-statement uh, in that, you know that that goes against what Scripture is about, that God defines love the way that it should be defined. And uh, here in First uh, John, it says in chapter 4, verse 8, whosoever does not love, does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. We might not think this is a Christmas passage, but this certainly is a Christmas passage. It's about how God has extended his love towards us in sending Jesus into our world for us as an act of love, as a sacrificial act of love. Some people think when we say God is love that this verse mean, means that God doesn't care what we do. And uh, he does care what we do. Uh, that's wrong to think that he doesn't care. Loving doesn't mean that he likes everything we do. It means that in spite of what we do, he still loves us. Aren't you glad for that? That God loved you when you were still and I was still a sinner. He loved us. He loved us by loving us in spite of that and making a way that we didn't have to live in our sin any longer. In fact, uh, he can love us and at the same time hate our sin. Um, If you think that's a problem, you do the very same thing with yourself. You love yourself and sometimes hate the things that you do. Anybody with me on that? And so how is it extraordinary to think that God could do the very same thing? There are a lot of people who have a problem with this idea of God. The problem is that we've started with love and not with God himself. God is the definition of what love is about. But if we take our own definition and try to plug it back in and say this is what God means when 
He says God is love. We get it all wrong. Let's let God decide what love is. Those things which God hates are sin, and no one wants a God who loves like this world loves. How many would agree with that? We don't want a God who loves like this world loves. Is constantly falling in and out of love with us and defining love by how he feels. Aren't you glad that God doesn't define love by just how he feels at any particular moment as if he's moved by his passions like a ship being tossed to and fro, but rather he loves with a consistent and passionate love all the time, and it's a love which acts. That's what I want to point out tonight as we we think about this love of God in terms of our Christmas theme. In verse 9, it tells us this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Christmas then, as, and as we celebrate it, and the reason we celebrate it, is a celebration of the love of God for us. Okay, it's not, I, I know I love the whole idea of decorating the house. I love it a lot less when it's time to decorate. But when it's decorated, I love it. Okay, and I, I love the idea of, I don't, I don't mind the whole idea of a Christmas tree and having presents under the tree and, and uh, the idea of talking about and singing Christmas songs and uh, even some secular Christmas songs. I don't, I don't mind that. But when it comes down to it, we need to understand that the, the reason for all of this is that God has loved us and he thought of us before we thought of him. And he sent the greatest gift that was ever given. Christmas is not about getting presents. It's about the greatest present ever given. Uh, whenever, when I was a kid, I was always chomping at the bit to get under the Christmas tree and find out what was there. Anybody with me? And I won't tell you, because the kids are here, but I won't tell you some of my shenanigans that I pulled in order to find those things out. But uh, my dad always made sure before we open presents, we're going to remember what this is about. And we always read the Christmas story of Luke chapter 2 every Christmas. And usually for our, for our home, you get to open one present on Christmas. I'm not prescribing the, the law of God on this, but... Uh, we got to open one present on Christmas Eve after we read the Christmas story, and then the whole slew of presents we opened the next day. Uh, but there was always that anticipation, what's under there, I want to get at the gift, when the really reality of it is the greatest gift was already given, and we had come to know who Jesus was. And so we don't want to ever cloud that. Since we are, are Christians, we know that... Um, Words like love mean something different than the way they're normally used. Uh, normally, love means you make me feel a certain way. And love in the worldly sense is fueled by the one it loves. As long as you're lovely, agreeable, beautiful, and you make me feel this way, then I'll love you. But God's love is not fueled by us. Listen, I hope you understand that God's love is not fueled, it's not fed by us. It's fueled or fed, or it is because of his character. He's a lover who loves. And this is one of the reasons why understanding the Trinity is so important, is that God loves, and he's eternally loved Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that love is existent within the Trinity long before he created humanity. He didn't need an object to love, but he loves because of who he is. His love comes from his own nature, and this may be hard to comprehend, but it's not hard to explain. 
Though there's nothing worthy of his love in us, God nevertheless loves because of who he is and what he does. Aren't you glad for that? Because what that means is that even though we're unlovely, we have someone who has always loved us. You might think that nobody loves you. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can picture the, the jailhouse guy clanking his cup against the bars. You know, nobody knows my troubles. Nobody knows my sorrows. And uh, nobody likes me and everybody hates me. I might as well just go eat worms kind of thing. God loves you. Let's get out of the mully grubs and know that God loves us. And his love surpasses the greatest of the world's loves. Oftentimes, it exposes them as sentimental, which is exaggerated or self-indulgent feelings. A love that's based on, his a love that is based on action and self-sacrifice for the good of the one being loved. It says in verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. This is how. God showed his love among us. His love was manifest in Christ. To, to show means to make something fully known by revealing it clearly and in some detail. In other words, Jesus' coming reveals God's love and shows it in detail. I think sometimes we're waiting for a particular feeling to come to us from God to know that he really loves us. Like if, if we know that we're loved, then we're going to feel a certain way. But when we look at Scripture, we see that God's love is a demonstrated fact observable by all. You understand what that means? That means His love is accessible to us whether the feeling is there or not. I think this is so important, and I, I talk about this a lot because so many Christians get hung up on how they feel, and God doesn't love me if I don't feel a certain way. And that is wrong, and it's destructive to our faith. We need to understand that God's love has been shown to us in the coming of Christ. And when we, we grasp that, then no matter if we're having a good day or a bad day, we can, we can recognize that we're still under the divine love because he said so. That means his love was made demonstrable or demonstrable by action. Um, remember Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means to cause something to be known by action, and that's exactly what he's done here in 1 John 4, 9. It says God is love, and, and this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son. This is not a nebulous feeling. It's not words only. It's action. And the action of coming into the creation was for a purpose. It, says, it goes on to say he sent his one and only son into the world, that we might live through him. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. When it talks about him being the one and only son, your translation may have his only begotten son. The emphasis is not on his begottenness, but upon his uniqueness. This is the unique son of God that's been sent into the world. If you're a believer, you're a son and a daughter of God. But not in the exact same sense as Jesus is a son. Of God. He's the unique Son of God who is co-eternal with the Father, co-equal with the Father, co-existent with the Father. And He's always been so. And so as we worship Him, we recognize that we still, though we worship in a sense a brother, He is a greater than we are. Are you with me on that? That we're worshiping the Savior who is pre-existent. And John makes that known to us, that before He came into the world, He was he existed. He didn't 
come into being when he was born, he existed prior to that. And our Micah passage says that this one who's born in Bethlehem is a leader from of old. What does that mean? He's from eternity, and he comes into, he takes upon flesh, and he dwells among us. He's sent, God sent as a demonstration of his love, a showing of his love, his one and only son of the world, that we might live through him. The thing being demonstrated is his love for us. And the demonstrating is the, that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. He died for us while we were still sinners. For a good man, it's rare that somebody should die. But for a wicked person, that's unheard of. This is love, that God sent his son into the world for us. This means that every Christmas, when we celebrate the coming of Christ, we're celebrating the love of God for us. Jesus was the action God showed to demonstrate that he loves us. The second thing I want to mention here, and and there's only two points, so we're well on our way, is uh, in verse 10, is that love is defined by God. Aren't you glad for that? Because, man, there's a lot of definitions rolling around. We can't start with our love for God, which is far from perfect. Notice how it says in verse 10, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved, he loved us. He loves us. So sometimes we want to start with ourselves and work backwards and say, well, this is, this is what love is because I know what my feeling of love is, and then we define things by our experience. But actually, what John is saying is that love doesn't start with you and me. It starts with him. We can't look at love based upon how we view love. We need to look at love based upon what the Father is like. Just as uh, when it comes to Father's Day, for example, sometimes people have problems with that because they didn't have a good dad. And then when they think of fatherhood, they think of things through the lens of their, their father. And what we need to do is we need to think about fatherhood in terms of what God is like and then say whether our father was bad or good based on that. You understand that the starting point of love is God himself and not us. So we can't start with ourselves. We're far from perfect. We flinch at sacrifice of any kind. Serving God might mean being around uncomfortable people. We might have to fast or sacrifice some time on Sunday. We might have to have two-hour services on Sunday. I can't tell you the flinching I begin to feel when we get around that two-hour mark. It's time to go. We can feel it. I can feel it in the pulpit. It's time to go. We've got to go. And uh, we flinch at any kind of sacrifice like that. And when serving God, we want it to be convenient, inexpensive, comfortable, and likable. And it's really inexcusable when we think about the kind of love that God has shown us in sending His Son. Heaven is preferable to earth, but He came. Worship of angels is preferable to the insults of humanity, but he came. Holiness is preferable to sinfulness, but he came. Glory is preferable to suffering, but he came. He knows what it means to sacrifice, and he did it all for love's sake. You see, no one wants a God who loves like this world. Either it's in this world, it's either love for self or, or others or God. Any, any way we look at it, Whatever love we have as humans is going to be flawed to some degree. When it comes to love, we have to start with God. And so it says, this is love, or in this is love, in verse 10. 
The Revised English Bible says this is what love really is. The NLT says this is real love. I like that. This is real love. If you want to talk about love, it's not our love for God that's important. It's his love for us. See, we didn't invent love. In verse 7 of this chapter, it tells us love comes from God. In verse 8, God is love. In verse 9, God showed love. Verse 10, love didn't start with us, it started with him. And verse 10, again, love is manifested through the Son. All of it goes back to what God is like. He is love. And he offers himself, in verse 10, as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Notice uh, there in verse 10, it says, This is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice. We don't have time on a Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve service talk about the details of the sacrificial system. So let's summarize with this, that to have an atoning sacrifice means that his sacrifice removes the barrier and brings us back into unity with God. The sin barrier is taken care of. Now, this could be translated a couple different ways. One is to take the sin guilt away. The other is to remove the punishment. Whatever is happening here in this atonement, what we know is that God has removed the obstacle Because of his love, even though we were the perpetrators, he took care of it from his side by sending his son in the flesh. This is what Christmas is about, is the coming of Jesus. It doesn't stop with with baby Jesus. A lot of people are comfortable with baby Jesus. They're uncomfortable with adult grown Jesus going to the cross and rising again and being Lord over all creation and our hearts too. People are uncomfortable with that. But that's where all of this is headed, and it comes back later on with him coming as the the fierce lamb. Are you with me? Do you know what I mean by fierce lamb? Normally we don't think in those terms, but John later on in the book of Revelation talks about Jesus in that way. So we have him as the atoning sacrifice, removing the separation himself by sending his son Jesus. Jesus can only do that for us by being a substitute for the human race in which guilt was placed upon him. So he had to come into the world to be our substitute. He had to be human to take upon the sins of humanity. And he had to be divine to bear bear the load. It was from God's side that he reached down through humanity to give us the um, cure for our sin. God's love answered our biggest problem. We were alienated from God through sin and judgment and death. And it's only resolved by eternal life in Christ. What we have in Jesus is forgiveness and the offer of eternal life. And the result is that we may live through Christ. Notice that it says here that he did this. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. But in verse 9, it says that we might live through him. He came and he lived that we might live eternally. He lived in the flesh that we might live eternally. Thanks be to God for that. Matthew and Luke focus on his birth. Um, Mark, he jumps right into the action of Jesus' earthly ministry. John's gospel looks at it from a different perspective. And I know we're in the letters of John, but John's gospel looks at it from the eternal side of the Christmas story. The triune God who is eternal and responsible for creation comes into his creation to redeem it. He comes as a baby, entrusted to the care of a mother, under the eye of a father, raised up for our salvation, 
to die for our sins and reunite us to God. That's the beauty of the Christmas story. Folks, it doesn't stop with a Christmas tree and singing carols, (laughs) right? It's not just about the presents, lovely as they are. And let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. I'm glad for that. I loved it. I was telling somebody the other day that I was shoving my driveway, smiling the whole time. So if that's not you, I'm very sorry. I'm praying that you get in the Christmas spirit and that God shows you what a wonderful blessing we have in Jesus. I'm loving all that. But you know what I love more? And I found it when I was 17. (laughs) That all the excitement of Christmas changed when I met the Lord of Christmas. It changed. Everything came alive in a brand new way because I knew what Jesus had done for me. We can celebrate and we can live in relationship with him because Christ came. We can enter into covenant with God. And this is a mutual commitment of relationship. He's made that possible through Jesus. And we're going to celebrate it tonight by taking communion together to commemorate God's love for for us and our relationship that was established through him coming and coming in the flesh for us. Thank you for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, we would love to hear about it. You're welcome to message us at akmaranatha.com forward slash contact or message us on Facebook at Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship. We pray you are blessed by the message and have a wonderful week.